All right, welcome back, FPL managers. Welcome to the fourth episode of the FPL Optimized Podcast. This is the podcast in which we combine analytics with the good old eye test. I'm Bas, the casual manager, and my co-host is Sirtop, the data scientist. Data or grass, or data and grass, that's the question. Thanks for tuning in again. Even though the season is over, I, we know there are some uh, diehards who are still interested in FPL content. Uh, we also received quite some questions, so we're happy uh, to go into those in, in this episode. Uh, this might be the last episode, but you never know. We can also maybe record again next week. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how we feel like. Um, but for today, yeah, there are definitely some interesting topics we want to cover, um, especially around the end of season analysis. Um, so for uh, for the agenda today, the first thing is that we will look at what we believe is important when you analyze your season and how some of the tools in FPL Optimized, uh, like the season highlights, can help you with it. Uh, I actually spent quite some time on it last week, and it's amazing to see all the features you added to the top. Uh, every time I go back to the site, there seems to be something new. So that's the first topic for today. The second topic, and that might be the main topic, we will talk about the price points in FPL and the impact uh, of those and how we play the game and optimal picks. And then we will end the episode with looking at a few of the questions we received uh, on Twitter. Starting with the first topic, we already have reviewed our season in the last episode, but given the tools for postseason analysis for FPLOptimize.com, uh, how have you evaluated your season, Surtop? And what are the things you look at? The season highlights page almost has everything I need to evaluate my season. I try to add everything I have in mind to the page. This is a little bit messy, to be honest. Is but it like a, a brain dump? You put <laughs> kind on there. of. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so my original idea was to create separate pages but then I realized it will take a lot of time for people to navigate so I just dumped everything that comes to my mind but yeah if you spend some time it gives all the basic information you might need to evaluate your season that was my intention and you're right I also keep adding new tools as it comes to my mind or sometimes people suggest new tools and I add them so I need to mention that thing what went wrong in a season after the fact is really difficult so because you don't really remember what pushed you to give that give certain decisions for example sometimes you are between two players uh, for example i was between Havertz and mount on game week nine that's you know easy to remember but there are some other transfers that you did and you can't really remember the exact reasoning for it but to understand your season, the most important aspect is reading gain and loss analysis at player level because FPL is all about beating other managers with the picks mm -hmm. you have that others might be missing at the highest level. So, you know, it's usually called differentials. Right. So you need to see, you know, which players you picked gained you the most points compared to the field and which picks that you didn't have cost you a lot. Right. So how do you do that? So the first thing you need to look at in this page is called uh, total realized gain and loss per player table. You will see which players gave you the boost to pass other people and also which players made the field win against you. Uh, for example, looking at my team, I see James and Diaz gave me plus uh, 68 and 
plus 67 points compared to the average. Right. On the other right. hand, I lost 63 points from Ronaldo, not having mm -hmm. Ronaldo, and 59 points from not having Kane. Mm -hmm. And it made me lose significant rank, for example. And so the understanding why I miss these two players at the expense of others is, of, of course, the key. Because, yeah. I mean, obviously these are premium players, so buying them requires significant planning because it's not, you know, easy to sell one of your other premium players and get one of these uh, players. But, yeah, so that's, I think, the key. Yeah. Yeah, and of course you cannot have them all, right? I mean, with the limited budget and, and the limited free transfers you have, um, it's always a decision. Um, you know, you need to see whether it fits budget-wise or maybe it requires taking a hit, which you also don't always want to do. So there are different reasons there, right? Yeah, that's true. You can still find some instances that is easier to analyze. Uh, for example, one thing I like to look at is total luck per player, which I have recently added because yeah. I play with the projected points data, as you know. Yeah. So that table gives me the understanding of where I have lost and where I have gained against the field at the projected points level. Because mm -hmm. obviously when you don't choose premium players, you know that you will get penalized for it. But there is an expectation, right? For example, for Ronaldo, there is the projected points of, let's say, six points. So you're like, okay, I will lose six points, but I'm hoping to win seven points from, let's say, Saka. So yeah. I'm always trying to be at the positive. But then that game week, if Ronaldo goes you know, crazy instead of six points, suppose he gets like 15 points. Then, so I label that as the luck so right. that I am... Yeah. Even though I knew the risk of not having him, I got penalized even more than I imagined, let's say. Mm -hmm. An example is I didn't have Dennis all season and my okay. luck, in quotes, is plus 11. And so the reason for it is because I was expecting to lose points during that famous double game week where he got the red card oh, in the first right. game. Yeah, so I was super yeah, yeah. lucky there because I yeah. was projected to lose some rank and points, but at the end, I got lucky. Yeah. Uh, for example, but on the other hand, for Calvert-Levin, um, I got minus 17 luck, meaning mm -hmm. that my game was 17 points lower than what was predicted. And okay. that's critical, right? Because with the context, you can see how this is useful. I mm -hmm. got Calvert-Levin right after he became available after the injury. And most of the people, they decided to wait a bit. And it turned out that he was not even on penalties. Later we learned. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of overvalued him that game week. And I made a wrong move. So on paper, mm -hmm. it was a good punt, I will say. But maybe, yeah, it didn't make sense in hindsight. Yeah, and I think, you know, in, in those cases, you cannot really feel bad about it. It's, it's always difficult. Uh, you make a transfer for some reasons. It makes sense at that time. And then maybe in hindsight, yeah, you might think differently about it. But, you know, I think as many managers always say, if you made a decision for the right reason, then you shouldn't feel bad about it. Yeah, you made the right decision at that moment. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in especially for the Calvert Levin case, yeah. um, one thing I did uh, on top though was checking the 
transfer quality analysis tool in in this page again and so you can expand to show all the transfers i only show a few of them a few of the critical ones but you can expand to see all of them it says i got him on game week 21 while dennis mm -hmm. and mope were better picks based on the prediction data so i kind of actually went with covered 11 so i wanted yeah. to take that risk but mope ended up collecting 24 more points while i owned dcl for the following five game weeks after that yeah. so the to the point you made was in my case this just wasn't the right decision so try to you can try to use as much data as possible to help getting to the right decisions so and another lesson for me is don't pick expensive players yeah. uh, after injury immediately there's a bigger yeah. chance that prediction data for such players are not as accurate as others due to lack of data for example i mean a penalty issue was part of the problem but yeah. even more than that we don't have enough samples for like calvert levin for example in that game week so that it was kind of was putting me at a disadvantage yeah yeah and i think that's where the eye test can come in handy <laughs> right <laughs> true uh in those cases especially after an injury it's good to watch the player first and and then transfer him in if you if you like how he plays I mean, it's, uh, again, especially after an injury, we probably all played football. We've all mm -hmm. been injured at one time or another. And after an injury, it just takes time to get back into your rhythm and also to get uh, the confidence back. So, yeah, I would say don't rush with these kind of decisions and make sure you watch the player first before picking him. Uh, because like this, uh, you probably cannot go wrong. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, although there's a chance you might be late for some some players. Not yeah. a huge deal in most cases, I guess. But one thing I would love to see in future with the prediction data is how reliable a prediction for a specific player. For example, we know that Salah has lots of data points. Mm -hmm. So his projection, projections, I assume, are pretty consistent. But uh, so for some of the players, even though you see the projection data, like you know, how many points this player is predicted to get next game week, I would like to see some kind of a metric that shows the possible error rate. Like, we are not really sure about this player. Or, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. in future we will have it. Okay. Well, let's see. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. Because, like, even in Salah's case, if you see how we ended the season, uh, I think there will be relatively many managers who might leave him out of the game week one team. Uh, or at least consider it. I mean, I was thinking about it myself already. It's a bit early to do those kind of things. But, you know... Sometimes you already think about FPL next season. And uh, yeah, as we often say, Mane is just a great alternative option. Uh, but of course now, uh, yeah, it's likely that Mane will leave. So that could increase the chance again uh, that everybody goes for Salah. Uh, yeah. let's, let's see. But yeah, let's come back to the season review. Um, so what are some of the other things you look at? Yeah, there are lots of things on in this page, but I also, but I also check where my points came from and how it compares to other players. Uh, so the best thing you can do is finding a manager you really like, his or her style, and mm -hmm. compare your results against them. So open two pages and enter your team ID in the one and other manager's ID in the other page. Okay. And I just compare my picks and how... Like I, I usually compare my picks with the other analytics managers to see if I have missed yeah. anything, any detail. Uh, Ole Salon won our analytics league and he finished okay. 13th 
in the world. Wow. Uh, yeah, he, his most popular formation pick was 3-4-3, for example, while mine mm -hmm. is 4-4-2. So checking the position price category analysis, he won around 60 points more from uh, mid-price forwards uh, than I do, and okay. 80 points more in premium midfielders. Okay. So this, I mean, kind of tells me that I put perhaps too much emphasis on my defense in comparison mm -hmm. because with the finish I got, it's probably not a huge problem, but this might be something I want to improve in future because obviously yeah. I lost from midfield and forward a lot. Yeah. Well, so just to summarize, the main rule is pick a manager that you know or follow closely and compare against them. Ole got... 120 points more uh, than I do with the goals. Mm -hmm. okay. So perhaps I should have picked players with higher scoring probability compared to, let's say, assist, for example. Well, that's an example, I guess. Yeah, and again, an interesting point because we heard many ma managers say this year uh, that they believed in the big at the back strategy, especially mm -hmm. uh, with some of the wing backs getting a lot of points. Yeah. Uh, and I even have seen already people talking about it for next season. So what you just said now, comparing the 3-4-3 formation to a 4-4-2, are you saying it's uh, probably better to invest more in midfield and attack? Yeah, I I think it depends which defenders you had. Big at the back mm -hmm. was a viable strategy, I believe. I had uh, like... Lots of defenders that played, obviously. And I had Diaz, and he made a quite a big difference for me. And some of the top managers also had him. So, But on the other hand, it probably also prevented me to switch my midfielders easily because I was priced out a lot of uh -huh. times because of the money I invested in defense. Yeah. So maybe I can choose one or two defenders who are relatively cheaper. But yeah. Is maybe mine is outcome bias. I'm not sure. Okay. All right. Well, those again are some great suggestions and insights. Thanks a lot. Um, on my side, I'll definitely spend some more time analyzing my season on fploptimize.com as I uh, for sure still have plenty of things to learn and to improve. Uh, but first, I'll probably take a short break, as most of us will do. Um, but, you know, with the new season starting already early in August, FPL will be back in our lives sooner than later. Yeah, looks like it. All right, our next topic is prices in FPL. We think FPL will start announcing prices around late June, early July this summer. So, yeah, it's something we look forward to, but at the same time, it's also a topic of uh, controversy. Um, and the topic also came back in a, one of the questions we received. This one is from uh, Joris Beckers, who is probably Dutch, like I am. Uh, thanks for the question. So his question is, we've all seen over the past year that player prices in FPL aren't great and they lead to some obvious exclusions. For example, most people go for Salah uh, instead of Manet. So this leads to only a very small set of players that are feasible to be picked in the course of a season. I was wondering, he says, if there is a way to sort of invert the optimization and figure out what kind of prices would make the overall group of eligible players go up to maybe 35 to 50. So what do you make of that sort of? Uh, actually, yeah, I have some technical answers, but I want to hear your opinion first. What would okay. you do if you were managing this game, if you were the FPL Towers, making some 
assets more attractive is also a good idea to include more variants to the game because like everyone is choosing the same players that was a big problem so how would you do it yeah no i think definitely more variants will, will be great uh, it's a good question but to be honest it's it's not something i think uh, about a lot really <laughs> mm-hmm. i just tend to play the game and enjoy it without really thinking too much about how things work uh one thing i did realize and i also mentioned it in the previous episode is that i need to change my mind a bit especially when it comes to how i look at some of the expensive defenders like uh trent alexander arnold mm-hmm. uh, because if you look at it i mean eight million for a defender is a lot of money uh, compared to other defenders but if you compare it to midfielders then eight million is more like a mid-range price that's true yeah and and considering the, the the amount of points you can get with with Trent, you know there are not really many. Maybe there are none. Eight million midfielders with the same potential. True. So I think instead of thinking of it as defender versus midfielders, it's probably be better to think like, okay, I've got eight million available. Uh, how can I best spend it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's I mean one thing for me personally how I w- will look at pricing more when I pick my team for next season and the other thing i would say which is maybe not so much price related but to bring the let's say the variants up or the number of players we could pick from it would be great if more players would be more attractive to pick for example uh, defensive midfielders uh, there are some really important players like kante and fabinho or Thiago. Uh, they are crucial for their teams but you know they're quite lousy uh, fpl assets so nobody picks them um, so I think, you know, if, if there could be some points maybe for balls intercepted mm-hmm. or things like that, um, then the pool of players could also grow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, back to pricing. Uh, I'm sure you have a scientific view on it. <laughs> Let, let's hear it. Yeah, first of all, I agree with you about including some assets like Thiago into FPL a bit more. and. And about the pricing, yes, so FPL is a mathematical game. We are trying to mm-hmm. collect points with limited budgets and uh, and the team restrictions we have. Uh, it's a known problem too, in case anyone has an interest. It is called a 0-1 multi-period knapsack problem. Okay. Uh, it's, you know, common in fantasy sports. But I thought about how we can find the best prices for each player that almost everyone stays relevant through the season. Answering Yoris's question, we want prices to give us optimal picks that are different from each other but have same price and total points. So in technical terms, there is this method called inverse optimization and people use it to find input of a problem using the optimal solution. So it's the other way around. But okay. it's like in FPL, we have the data and then we are trying to optimize, right? Yeah. So think like I invested in a bunch of financial assets and but I don't give you my data but checking my investment you can go back and try to predict what was my mm. prediction of the assets that made me choose those choices if you know that I always pick the optimal choice yeah. then you can actually estimate the parameters of the problem okay so Here's a simple approach to make the game more uh, spread in terms of picks. So you can divide the number of points with the, the price and find mm-hmm. a points per million pounds measure. Yeah. For example, Salah finished the season with 265 points with 12 point million initial price. And Mane finished with 183 points with 12 million price. So if you say 
Salah was appropriately priced at the beginning of the season. Yeah. If you scale after removing the base price of 4.5 million, which, you know, cheapest midfielder price, it gives that Mane's price should have been 10 million pounds. So I also used an optimization model to verify this observation. And there are some interesting results, actually, like Son okay. yeah. should have been 12.5 instead of 10 million. KDB should have been 11 instead of 12, so should have been cheaper. Medicine mm-hmm. should have been 10 million instead of 7. Okay. And Saka 9.5. And Fernandez, interestingly, should have been 9 million pounds instead of 12. Right. So, right. But, I mean, obviously, Ronaldo's transfer affected, you know, at that a bit. Yeah, okay. For sure. That's but, true. Uh, on the other hand, if you think money is priced right at 12 million pounds, yeah. then Salah should have been way higher. So okay. it gives 15 million pounds for Salah. Hmm. But, I mean, so there are bounds that FPL is applying. That's kind of part of the problem, in my opinion. Mm. But And also, this analysis is before you include captaincy into the mix. Because when you drop Salah for money, let's say, you are losing some points, but you are actually losing twice the points, right? Yeah. So yeah. you need to be... You need to be able to replace one of the other players with a better player with the amount of money you have. In this case, it's only two million. It's not enough. And actually, hmm. Fantasy Football Trout had an experiment this year to see, you know, at which price point optimal team drops Salah, mm-hmm. and the price the it came up with was twenty one. Point one million pounds. Wow. Okay. So I mean, I should ask you, like, would you buy Salah <laughs> if he was twenty-one million, or just to make it the question a little bit easier for you, if he was fifteen million pounds, pass, would you buy him at the beginning of the season? Uh, difficult question. Uh, I, I, as I said before, as I look uh, how I look at it now, looking at his latest form. I would probably drop him from my from my game week one team, mm-hmm. or at least I'm sure I will have a few drafts during the planning stage which won't have him included. But uh, you know, it's also with Salah, it's also the the fear of missing out because everyone else has him in. Uh, so that probably also comes into the the question and into the picture. Yeah, well, with the 15 million or even like 21 million, probably his ownership will be quite low. Yeah, I, I, that's I a good thing, imagine. right? Yeah, but yeah, it's like interesting because if the optimal price was twenty one, like if he was still in the optimal team, let's say when he was twenty million pounds, and lots of people won't be choosing him, so that's kind of you know how you increase the variance. But yeah, yeah I I doubt FPL will go to such a dramatic pricing model. <laughs> if I was Working for FPL, I would have used a better prediction model and tried to predict total points that can be collected by each player and price them based on that. You can also go other way around it. Optimize a team, find points collected in hindsight or use prediction simulation data and try to reduce target players, uh, say money price, until the optimal solution picks money instead of Salah, right? So, well, there are different ways to do it, but yeah, yeah, like as is, it is very unbalanced. Last season was like that. Like the template was quite strong for a a while. Yeah. Uh Okay. Well, that's some great analysis. I think FBL should actually hire you to to get some (laughs) recommendations. Why not? (laughs) 
So if you're listening, FPL, it's at SirTalBilal on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, he's my colleague, so I don't want you to hire him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the final part of this episode, and we'll cover a couple of the questions we received. Uh, this one is from Nikola Jokic, number 15. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, he says, maybe this is a bit too much. But, you know, nothing is too much for us, right, Sertan? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but yeah, he thinks it might be too much, but let's see what he's saying. He says, how many teams do you think would FPL Optimize need to win the whole tournament? Oh. And is it even possible with linear optimization to make teams differ so much so that they account for enough variance across 38 weeks to fairly, to fairly certain win it? Oh, thanks for the question. By the way, there are different games where you can enter with multiple teams yeah. so when you are entering with multiple teams that optimization of that is a little bit different oh, okay. than you know instead of optimizing a single team mm -hmm. so that problem is much harder but it is still a mixed integer linear optimization model i think that's the you know part of the question well how many teams i will need to win the tournament that's <laughs> quite difficult to answer i mean i can probably set up a test about it but just using the product projection data i can ask you know my solver to produce different teams and in each iteration you can say that okay so this is my initial 15 players pick the optimal and let give me another team with at least three players are different so you can actually create you know good teams pretty good teams with yeah pretty good projected points and i can actually check you know how many times they win at the end but i mean to win you will probably not so lots of teams i i can't estimate the number now but the variance is very big in fpl like unlike mm. other sports so if you miss a certain player like if you yeah. don't have kane and son at the end of the season this you know past season you won't yeah. be winning it i mean i might have a look at if I have time in the following months, probably, but yeah, sorry, but it's really hard to estimate. Okay, well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, as he said, it might be too much, so maybe yeah. it was too much. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right, sounds good, though. The next question is from FPL Dinosaur, and he says, this is my new favorite pot. Wow, thanks for that, <laughs> FPL Thank Dinosaur. You. We appreciate it. What makes you choose to force exclude a player from your transfer planner, planner, even if the optimizer says you should transfer them in? Has a player you force excluded ever burned you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question, FPL Dinosaur, because I think there is a certain Matip who has, <laughs> who has cost you some points, right? <laughs> yeah, it was a running joke for a while. Well, oh boy. So... <laughs> Well, I guess, you know, when you exclude a player who doesn't pass your eye test pass, you are okay. feeling the same way, right? Because you're like, yeah, this player doesn't pass my eye test, but then he goes and then gets lots of returns. Yeah. Okay, just to answer, I force excluded some players this season, and mm -hmm. some examples are Ronaldo, Mount, some other Chelsea okay. defenders, and as you mentioned, Matip are some of the victims of my decision-making. <laughs> uh, for people who don't know, force excluding is saying solver to, well, never buy a player when you are planning, optimizing okay. the, for future game week. So you need to have a reason to do it. Yeah. And these reasons are often non-quantitative. 
So you believe you know better than the prediction data is showing you to ban a player or, you know, modeling or the solver cannot think of the reason. I have three reasons that comes to my mind when I read the question. The first one is minutes. So if you think a player won't play or will have limited minutes, so it could be because of injury or rotation or maybe cup games are coming up. So you don't want to pick a risky player, right? Mm-hmm. And the second one is points. You think predicted points are too high, comp- so like you can compare to other sources of data and say that yeah. maybe this model is overestimating. You know how many points, let's say Fernandez can get. And the third one is in terms of flexibility reasons to keep a certain spot open. So the reason I avoided Matip, <laughs> just to answer <laughs> question directly. Yes, please was to get a Liverpool attacker in future game weeks because at that ah. time I already had Salah like as everyone else and Alexander Arnold everyone yeah. except you Buzz <laughs> <laughs> so I thought you know if I get Matip and if I need to get Jota in a future game week suddenly yeah. let's say you know he becomes available or gets picked more often by a club so I wanted to have a way to you know get him without selling one of my key defenders so I mean, yeah. flexibility is kind of very hard to translate into numbers. But, I mean, has this burned me? Yes. I mean, obviously, Matip kept getting assists and goals and bonus points during the game weeks. I have banned him. It's a sad memory. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> True. And, uh, well, let's go on to the next question. This one is from Andy Martin at FPL Tactician. And he asked, how many weeks should we be planning in advance for? If we are planning for the next six to eight game weeks, how many of them should be optimal? Or should we aim to have consistency over that period? Mm. And I think that's a great question, even for us ITAS managers. Uh, I always like to look at the charts made by TED. That's uh, at TED Talks FPL. Uh, and those charts sort the matches by difficulty ranking for the next six weeks or so, I think. Uh, so my opinion, looking at for the next four to six game weeks is always a good thing. Uh, but what do you think, Surtop? I mean, for ITAST managers who don't use data at all, I think four or six game weeks is probably the limit of how many you can look at because it's so hard to, you know, plan. But if you're yeah. using data and I mean, you need, you can look as many game weeks as you can, right? Because yeah. Sure. You can fit it <laughs> to, yeah. the, to the machine. So state-of-the-art approach on this is using all the game weeks into account. You know, how many game weeks you can. And yeah. for the prediction data, we get only eight game weeks of data from FBI review. Uh, okay. QV's projections give projections until the end of season. Sometimes okay. I also try that. Uh, but the idea is to apply a DK to, you know, discount future predictions we usually remove around 15% of the predicted points for every game week. So it is like 15% next game week, 15 times 15% for the week after, and you go on like that. And you solve it that way because you are kind of saying that, so these projections are subject to change. And you can think this 15% as the uncertainty about the rotation, injury, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I often also ban transfer transfer planning for the last two three game weeks when I am, you know, optimizing for eight game weeks. So I say yeah. for the last three game weeks, don't transfer anyone. 
And the reason I do it because the model cannot see what's coming after the horizon ends. So you right. can, as an ITS manager, you can check the fixture and see, you know, what what will happen. But model yeah. has no idea beyond eight game weeks. So sure. I'm kind of saying that okay, don't plan any transfers because they will they will be wrong for sure. But okay. I mean, this is what I use, but I'm open to suggestions, really. But yeah, I, yeah. I probably will talk more about this towards the start of the next season. Okay, cool. Um, so one question I want to address came from Corridor of Uncertainty podcast, <laughs> asking, why do I feel like you choosing to record exactly four podcast episodes in less than a month is a personal attack? <laughs> So the Corridor of Uncertainty podcast is the first FBL podcast, as far as I know, uh, with an analytics focus. And it's definitely an inspiration to our podcast as well. So they're also very famous with another thing, their irregular recording interval. So their last four episodes came in February of 2021, August of this year, uh, sorry, August of last year, September, and then February of this year. Okay. It's just incredible how irregular they are. But whenever it comes, it's a big event. I'm not attacking. I love their podcast. And Simon and Jamie are just great. And they're both, you know, as a person and FPL managers, their podcast is the first FPL podcast I have listened to. And I really wish they record more often going forward. Yeah, and I can only agree to that, of course. You know, we're just uh, the new kids on the block and uh, we have a massive respect and appreciation for all the FPL content creators out there mm-hmm. uh, who actually helped us to improve our game and also inspired us. So mm-hmm. uh, everyone who's listening, thanks a lot. Um, and yeah, with that, thanks for all the questions. And again, also thanks for your interest. Uh, we received even some more questions on Twitter, but you know, we didn't want to make the show too long. And we will try to cover some of them in following episodes. Mm-hmm. We might be back next week. You never know. <laughs> uh, otherwise, we will definitely still record a few summer episodes about using analytics in FPL in preparation for the new season. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And why not leave a review? <laughs> or you can also follow us on Twitter. That's for me at BelfiBB. And for Sertop, it's at SertopBilal. That's the final whistle for episode four. Thanks for listening and see you back next time.